The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. It's always special to me when the Wednesday of doing the live show is a Wednesday during which we have graduated a Main Street Vegan Academy class. And that happened earlier today, our 17th graduating class, which brings us up to, I think, 252 graduates. So we had people in this class from Madrid, Spain, Vancouver, British Columbia, Honolulu, Hawaii, Dallas, and Houston, and all over the place. So congratulations to all of those lovely new graduates. Thank you so, so much for joining our family, and thanks to everyone listening for being part of the Main Street Vegan podcast family. couple of announcements before I introduce our first guest. This very weekend, I will be in Orlando, Florida, not visiting Mickey, but speaking at the Central Florida Veg Fest. So that's going to be Saturday, October 22nd. If you are somewhere in the Central Florida area, do stop by. I'm speaking at two. There'll be great speakers all day, lots of food, lots of vendors. Uh, the website for that is cflvegfest.org, Central Florida Veg Fest. Hope to see you there. Also, starting tomorrow is a wonderful free tele-summit. It is called the Vegan Lifestyle Summit, simple and sweet, with lots of wonderful, wonderful um, speakers that you know, Dr. John McDougall, Jean Bauer from Farm Sanctuary, uh, Melanie Joy. You all know Melanie Joy. She invented speciesism. So uh, I will have the URL uh, for that for you after the break. But do keep in mind, Vegan Lifestyle Summit doesn't cost you anything, and you get lots of great information and time with some people that you love and admire. I know I certainly love and admire them, and I'll be there too, hoping to like myself. So uh, something happening, lots happening. Oh my goodness, so much is going on in the vegan world. And so much is going on in the world of my first guest. In addition to everything that she's doing professionally, Darlene Adamusic of Bod Blast, a wonderful online training and nutrition company run by this elite personal trainer and figure competitor, She's also a bride-to-be. Darlene and her intended are going to get married on the 11th of December, 
<laughs> and then they're going to travel literally around the world, practically hitting every country that I've ever heard of. But in the meantime, Darlene is a five times nationally qualified bikini competitor and a leading advocate for vegan athletes. She's been featured in Vegan Health and Fitness Magazine, Steve Austin's Broken Skull Ranch Edge Booty Extreme 2 DVD program and Beachbody's 21 Day Fix Extreme DVD program. She even made a cameo appearance on The Real World in Guess Where? The Gym. Welcome, Darlene Adamusic. Hi, thank you for having me. It's absolutely wonderful to have you, Darlene. And I see we didn't get your ebook in there, but you are the author of the Affordable Vegan Diet ebook. So let me just jump in with that. You are a fitness expert. I mean, you've got the abs to prove it. And yet you decided to write an ebook about eating vegan on the cheap. Why take the money angle? Um, the reason I did that because see, um, basically a lot of times people keep telling me that vegans are really expensive. Like they can't be vegan because it's too expensive to eat. They can't afford it and all that. But basically I wanted to show people that it's actually not expensive. It's really cheap. It's basically $5 a day. You could have like, five meals a day and it's, Super good, super tasty, and there's so much colorful meals, so much variety of treats, like even carrot cake sandwich cookies and like Thai food and just so much more. And I just wanted to show everyone that you could eat healthy and clean, also save money in your wallet. While you go uh-huh. <laughs> well, the, the expensive thing is certainly one of the myths about going vegan. But you say that there are some myths and misconceptions on vegan fitness, too. What are those? Well, even before I was even vegan, I was one of them. And I always thought that being vegan, that, you know, you can't be lean, you can't be fit, you're either really scrawny or you're overweight. And later on, I met a person named Tori Washington, and he he was actually, I met him at, first I met him at the, Olympia, and then I met him at my national show, and he just inspired me, just realizing that he's super lean, he's he's a bodybuilder, and he's vegan, and it made me realize that you could, it is possible, and then later on, I decided to do more research and see if there's any females, because, you know, I thought maybe just males were, only, you know, had those genes, you know, genetic, and that there's so many women that are vegan that are our fitness competitors, they're lean, they're athletes, and it just really opened my eyes and realized that it is possible. So while I was having digestive issues during that time, um, and I was still, I was competing, I decided that, you know, after I finished my last national show, that I'm just going to just take a step and transition and see it for myself if I could do it. And it's possible. I've competed three times afterwards, and I've won and qualified again for my nationals. So basically, you could do it. So as long as you, and the best part about it is you're eating healthier, you feel great, and you have no digestive problems or any other stomach issues that people may face. Mm, and that stomach thing is, is just so widespread. I hear it from more people than ever in my life. I don't know what's changing that is making people unable to deal with food, but that veganism in its uh, various forms, and sometimes people have to try one or two different iterations of that, it does seem to take care of a lot of it, which is a very good thing. So I think we've all heard about bodybuilding. We know what Tori Washington does, but but the women's side of it, the figure competitor and the bikini competitor, what are those? Um, basically, it's so difference of bikini and figure is for bikini you're more like you have muscle you're like lean and toned but you still have that more of a feminine look and figure you you have more of a bigger more muscle more bigger on the shoulders the arms and the back and you're still lean but you have like you still look like a feminine but you just have a little like almost to the next step like if you go any further, like if you keep building, and some women do like that, which is their choice, then they're more considered as a bodybuilder. So it's kind of in between of a bodybuilder and a bikini competitor, like a balance. 
I see. So, and what, which did you do or which do you do? I do the bikini. Okay. Now, is, is your fiancé also into bodybuilding? Um, no, he actually does CrossFit. Ah. He's really into the CrossFit world. Now, that's interesting. How does he do? The, is he vegan as well? Yeah, he is. Okay. He's so vegan ha- longer than me. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So how, how does it work for him in CrossFit? I know today at the Academy we had the wonderful fashion designer uh, Joshua Catcher present. And he's just an amazing CrossFit guy, but I think he's like the only vegan or even vegetarian at his gym. (laughs) What's that like for your fiance? Well, I also have done CrossFit to myself. So um, actually, he he started CrossFit right after he turned vegan, and he's doing amazing. Like he's actually one of the strongest guys in the class. He lifts really heavy, like. Every, you know, he's been progressing. He's PRing his um, weightlifting always or anything, like his time and his endurance is always amazing. Like, he just kills it every time, and he amazes me all the time. Like, last year, or actually this year, I'm thinking, I'm, like, a step ahead. In, like, February, we had uh, at the gym, at the CrossFit gym, like, a a competition, and he actually won second place in his overall, in his class or in the class thing, and then I won first place, but into the intermediate because I'm not advanced yet. <laughs> wow. But, um, well, I guess that's all any of us can do as vegans is do the best that we can do in our field of endeavor and show that we don't have to be the best all the time, but we're certainly in the running all the time. We are absolutely yeah. equal to, uh, at the very least, anybody else. So that's cool. So you guys have started a new uh, website, a power couple, P-W-R-C-U-P-L. I know you're using that to raise some money for your mega vegan travels. But you also talk on there about helping one another be strong. So what about relationships? You know, I think a lot of people get married and that's when they kind of get flabby. But you seem to think that we can support our partners and uh, help one another be even fitter. How does one do that? Well, our, our like, relation has always been, we always we have like, a really great relationship, but we always are looking to be better. We always want to improve everything ahead of time. So even after we get married, a lot of people tend to just get married, they settle down, and they, they just kind of like, you know, basically the relationship they don't try, or I don't know how really some people do it, but we want to still like grow and be better, you know, be a better couple and learn each other more like every time you know you you know you always learn something new from your your spouse no matter what like no matter how many years you've been with them it's always, there's always something new and it's really cool because you know as time we change our opinions change and we always want to grow like new things face up in situations and you know it's always good to have a communication and we always believe that having a great communication and just being open and honest that's a going to build you guys stronger. So our goal is, like, a mission is to inspire other couples to grow stronger together, no matter what it is. Either Even if you're not doing a business together or you're not, like, lifting buddies or whatever, even if it's just a family and raising a kid, you want to still be an equal page and just have that loving relationship. And, yeah, oh, that's what we are looking for. That sounds lovely. You're in such a special time of life, that time of being engaged with your whole life ahead of you. It's so sweet. And you're going to have a vegan wedding? Yes, all vegan weddings. Even our DJ is vegan, our photographer is vegan, uh, my bridesmaids are vegan. Oh, Um, get some really good pictures because I think Veg News does their uh, wedding issue every year. They might want to feature you guys. So um, what is the number one reason that people don't succeed as vegans in fitness? I'm sorry, can you repeat that one more time? Yeah, the, the, the number one reason that people fail at vegan fitness. Um, number one reason that I believe it is, and this is probably from my experience when I first started being a vegan, um, it's just kind of like not knowing how to eat right or not knowing how to balance or to be fit because a lot of times people turn vegan and they're thinking either A, 
they're going to lose weight automatically and they're seeing the reverse, you know, reactions. They're, either, they're not seeing those abs. So I get a lot of people that come up, reach out to me with that. And it's because they're not balancing the right amount of food of what they should. They're maybe overeating one more than the other. And everyone is different. So everyone's metabolism is different on the results and goals they're trying to achieve. So that's one thing when people fail. And then the second um, reason is I'm kind of having a little blank right now. Well, to me, it's it's when you yeah. just stop. You know, I, I think, I know that different kinds of bodies can build more muscle. Different kinds of, of bodies have more endurance. They're more designed for running and whatnot. But whatever kind of body you have, if you're working out, you're going to make progress. You're going to see a difference. And if you just kind of say, oh, you know, this is something I've done in the past. You know, my shoulder hurts today. Well, my ankle hurts today. Well, my finger hurts today. I better stay home. It's just not going to happen. I think it's it's kind of like with the vegan thing. You just take it a day at a time and you do it. And if you do it, then you get the results. And if you don't, kind of hit or miss. So uh, do be sure <laughs> to check out Darlene's ebook. It's called the Affordable Vegan Diet ebook. Her website is BodBlast, just like it sounds, BodBlast.com. She's BodBlast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we will put all that on the vegan show notes. So, Darlene, just in the last couple of minutes here that we have you, because you have written this really terrific ebook. I've read it. This is a this is a very helpful book about being vegan affordably. Give us a couple of your favorite tips for uh, eating cheap and living abundantly. Well, my favorite, my favorite thing is, uh, yeah, sorry. I have a six tips of shopping tips. And a lot of it is people like to go to one store only. And I believe, like, you can kind of just spread around and go to different grocery stores and figure out what works. But the number one is going to a farmer's market. You could get tons of great vegetables and fruits in season and have so much more nutritional value than versus going to the store. And you'll save a lot more money for that. And another thing to buy is making sure you buy, like, beans and stuff. Those are it's really affordable. It's high in protein, high in iron, and it's just great for you. And basically learning when you go shopping to don't fall for those processed foods, avoid the aisles. And remember, if you guys go to the aisles, look at either the below shelf or above eye level, never eye level, because that's where they get you with the processed food. That's where the marketing, you know, plays and role. They pay a lot of money for people wanting to buy it, especially in the kids' aisle. It's always in the lower aisle because kids are smaller and they see that for their eye level and they always ask their mom or dad, can you buy this? Can you buy this? And that's basically a red flag meaning it's going to be really bad for your child. Mm. So basically when you look at shelves, either A, number one, avoid it. Two, just look above or below, making sure the ingredients has at least one or three. That's something that you know how to read and just avoid those Marketing terms, that's what drives me insane, is those uh-huh. marketing. Because that's where the money is, that's the most expensive items, and that's the most highly processed foods that basically not good for you. Fabulous. And we're going to save a lot of money. And uh, anybody listening who's out there in Southern California, maybe when you get back from all your travels next summer, will want to be your client. And then uh, you can work out with this gorgeous woman with abs that will not quit, and she's also lovely. She came here in July for Main Street Vegan Academy, and uh, I can tell you this is one trainer that you don't have to be afraid of because she's a good, sweet vegan. Thank you, Darlene. Uh, Blessings on your marriage. Bon voyage. And uh, send us a postcard. (laughs) Take care. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Everybody else, stay with us. We have another magnificent woman coming up, and uh, Oprah thinks so too. Stay with us. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, 
please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. You know that URL I promised you for the Telesummit that starts tomorrow? It's so simple, I should have just made it up. VeganOnlineSummit.com so that's your your 20-person Telesummit, absolutely free, going to be really, really fun. I'm going to be there, a bunch of other great people. Also, I want to direct you to the blog over at MainStreetVegan.net. This week's blog is written by Vicki Stevens. She is a Main Street Vegan certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator. She's also a certified nutritionist, a longtime worker in the field of animal protection. And the post is really fun because we've got Halloween coming up. And the blog post is called Ask Not for Whom the Halloween Doorbell Rings. It rings for thee with lots of really great ideas about helping the little goblins in your neighborhood have some vegan treats and some healthy treats and maybe even do a little uh, outreach while you're at it. So do check out uh, MainStreetVegan.net, the blog this week. And also, uh, we have a sponsor. If you listened last week, you know that. Vegan Outreach is proud to support Main Street Vegan. Well, oh my gosh, Main Street Vegan is proud to be representing uh, Vegan Outreach. Vegan Outreach, if you're not familiar with them yet, it strives for a vegan society. And it's one of the world's most active organizations promoting a vegan lifestyle, particularly on college campuses. Vegan Outreach's Vegan Mentor Program is active throughout the English and Spanish-speaking world. They're always looking for good mentors, 
So if you're interested, please sign up. You just go to veganoutreach.org slash VMP. That stands for Vegan Mentor Program. And you can be helping other people learn how to live this wonderful, enlivening way of life. And don't miss out on Vegan Outreach's weekly e-newsletter that has delicious recipes, lots of news, free product giveaways. You can subscribe to that and see what's going on over there at veganoutreach.org. And now it is my great pleasure to introduce to you someone that I've wanted to have on the show for ages, but she is way busy. And we finally managed to get a time slot so that if you don't already know her, I will have the great good fortune of introducing to you Latham Thomas. You may also know her as Glow Maven. She's a celebrity wellness maven and birth doula, transforming not only how women give birth to their babies, but how they give rise to the best version of themselves. Named one of Oprah's Super Soul 100, an enlightened group of leaders elevating humanity with their work, Latham is helping women embrace optimal wellness and spiritual growth as a pathway to empowerment. She's the founder of MamaGlow.com, offering inspiration, education, and holistic services for expectant and new mamas. And she is the best-selling author of Mama Glow, a hip guide to your fabulous and abundant pregnancy Latham has been featured in Vogue, Self, Fast Company, Wall Street Journal, Essence, Fit Pregnancy, Dr. Oz, Good Day New York, Inside Edition. But the best thing that she does is be the mom of a 13-year-old DJ prodigy and entrepreneur, DJ Fulano Latham. Hi, love. How are you? <laughs> yeah, DJ Falano. That's you know what? I'm looking at your thing here, and there was no period. And I like said, how did he get the last name of Latham's first name? But you know, my son-in-law has my daughter's name as his last name, so we do these things these days. But he's DJ Falano. <laughs> Just want to be clear on that because he's going to be yep. so famous. People could go back and say, "Did you hear that woman? She didn't even say his name right." No, Hi. you said his name right. It's Polano. You got him. Cool. Well, welcome to the show, Latham. You know, when they use that phrase, beautiful inside and out, you come to my mind first because you really, really are the, the real deal. And I'm so happy to be speaking with you. So for people who don't yet know your work, tell us about you. How did you get from where you started to where you are now? Well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge you and your greatness, and thank you for having me on. Um, if we're going to talk about beauty from the inside out, I have to say that when I first heard you speak live in person, it was on, I forget where we were exactly, but it was on a stage, and it was a massive audience, and you came out, and you were so charming and eloquent, and just, you had this certain grace about you, and I was like in awe, and then we became friends. And so I'm just, you know, I know know if I ever told you that, but um, but it's sort of like, you know, you see that in me, but I very much see that in you. So thank you. Oh, um, well, bless you. <laughs> um, speaking of, I guess, but I, you know, how I got here in my journey, I guess, a little bit for people who don't know, um, I started my work really, um, I should say when my son was, when I was pregnant with my son, but I would say the rudiments of my work really started when I was um, maybe four years old. And I was seeing my mom pregnant at the time with my sister. And I watched her and my aunt and great aunt who were also pregnant. And my cousin and I would sit cabbage patch dolls under our shirts and stuff them up there so we could look pregnant and deliver each other's babies. And little did I know at the time that that would sort of be the rudiments of um, the work I would be doing later in life. But I was very fascinated with the birth process. I also grew up in California, and I was able to study with a master herbalist from a young age, and so I had also this really incredible affinity for um, plants and um, and plant medicine and really sort of the um, interesting aspects of like how plants uh, work in our favor and how we sort of have evolved to um, 
kind of coexist. And um, so all the things that I was learning about um, the North American uh, herbs and plants um, and how they work on the body as well as like in the kitchen um, really sort of was a great foundation for me um, because I was maybe 12 when I decided to become vegan and I already had such a breadth of knowledge about what plants are used for healing. So that was something I could layer on top of my diet. Um, so there was that piece. And then fast forward into my adulthood, um, when I became pregnant with my son, is when I really discovered that there was sort of this latent uh, desire to work with women in the pregnancy and prenatal period. Um, I, I just had this magical birth and um, during the time that I was pregnant, I found that the landscape, and it's completely different now, this is like almost 14 years ago, but at the time, people were not using the internet. I mean, the internet existed, but like people didn't trust it. It was like, whatever, like I go on that internet thing once a week, but now it's like, you know, multiple, like all day people are on the internet now. And people didn't go to the internet for referrals. They went to the telephone book or they asked friends and nobody I knew was pregnant. So I had to kind of use my own resources and um, try to figure out how to navigate pregnancy holistically in a city like New York. And there was a lot of work to be done. And so because there was no real kind of rubric and, and guide that could kind of give me what I needed, I decided to start it myself. And that was sort of like what will become Mama Glow later. Um, and what we focus on is uh, nutrition, it's plant-based nutrition, uh, yoga and movement, birth doula services, so we support women um, as they move through uh, the birth process into um, early motherhood, and then we do like advocacy and events, and all of that grew out of what I found as a need for me to feel like I was um, being nurtured and mothering myself um, during the childbearing period. Uh, I did not have the same access that we provide to women, but I do believe that I was meant to be sort of a vessel um, to that to be able to help thousands of women um, in the years that we've been, you know, in business. So I'm really grateful. Oh, that's so fascinating. And how do you see that things have changed? Because I was pregnant, you know, way, way before you back in the 80s, and I was in Chicago. So I think mm -hmm. Chicago is just enough smaller than New York that it's easier to find things. New York is so interesting. Absolutely everything is here, but you can't always find it. And I know we did find a, a home birth um, physician group and, uh, you know, pretty good support for prenatal and, and some of that. And certainly a lot came from La Leche League. So how is it mm -hmm. now if a woman gets pregnant in late 2016, what kinds of wonderful goodies will she have open to her that that you and I didn't? Yeah, I think that now, I mean, it's so much easier, um, first of all, to be able to find the resources that will match up with your lifestyle. Um, it's pretty easy. So, um, I mean, Mama Glow exists, obviously, but there's tons of other um, boutique type of services out there. There's apps that you can go through. There's um, there's all types of I think technology technological experiences that are um, there to be to be had as well, which was not really on the radar when I was pregnant. And it's not necessarily something that I feel as comfortable engaging in. Like there's new products that I would probably never try, but I think that there's younger moms who are really interested in them. So it's like it's almost like the world is like your oyster now because people see that you know, pregnant women have been marginalized in terms of like the products and services that are designed for them. And, but yet it's a period where people spend the most money and really are uh, determined to, um, to, you know, do what's right. And it's also a very interesting period because most women want to do the right thing. Like they want to learn how they can improve because all of a sudden it's like you have this um, this affinity for this baby that you haven't met yet and you want to do everything in support of that baby. So even if you have some habits that you've been like attached to, all of a sudden it's like you can kick them because you know that there's someone dependent upon you, right? So all these things um, make a woman really uh, 
like prime for for opportunity to sort of I think um, make lifestyle changes and a lot of the, the uh, products and services available, I feel like can support you in making those changes so that you can really become the best version of yourself during those 40 weeks that you'll be cooking your baby and, um, and, and be able to transition into motherhood really smoothly. So um, I just feel like whether it's, um, I mean, doula like was not a thing I think that people talked about as easily. Like now everybody pretty much knows what a doula is or you know, um, the type and what of is it for those who don't know? I'm sorry. And, and just for those who don't know, explain what a yes. doula is. Right. So for those who um, are unaware, um, a doula, a birth doula, is um, a person, a practitioner who basically works as a liaison between the mother or, or couple and the doctor or midwife. So um, it's not in lieu of a doctor or midwife, but it's a person who provides emotional support and, um, and advocacy, education, and a constant presence so that the mom feels really safe. Um, really, our goal is to make sure that there's a sense of safety, security, and a feeling of being unobserved so that mom can really be like in her animal when she's you know, going through the labor process. We also try to make sure that you get as close as possible, as close as possible to the um, birth that you have imagined. And, um, and we do this through, um, you know, several ways of, you know, working very closely with the couple to determine what their desires are. But essentially, it's one of my clients basically calls it like a producer for your birth. So think about it like that. Somebody who's handling all aspects that are not delivering. Now, that is so interesting because I thought, well, I know what that is because I guess I was pretty involved in in the world of natural birth back in the day simply because I had a home birth. And when you got Mm -hmm. into that, certainly in the 80s, you met all kinds of people. But my understanding back then of a doula was someone who's there with the mom after the birth to kind of take care of the mom. Is that a different kind of doula? Yes, that's a postpartum doula, which is also really on the rise right now. People, you know, in places like New York City where, um, you know, baby nurses and nannies are really sort of the norm right after birth, um, the postpartum doula is a really nice sort of um, middle point. Like if you're not going to have family come in or um, say you do have family, but you kind of need a little bit of help for yourself. It's like having your own nanny for yourself, right? Someone's going to make sure that you have nice food to eat, helps you to um, with healing, helps you with adjusting to new motherhood, um, you know, spends a couple hours a day. So it's not necessarily like a, a, um, a live-in or full-day situation, but it's a couple of hours, and it's just to have that presence and support again and someone who can help you and, and sort of watch how you um, adjust to the next, witness you in the same way that we would during the birth process, but after birth. So mm-hmm. there are two types of doulas, and, um, and it really depends on, I mean, I think a birth doula is essential and it should be available to everyone, um, but, you know, it really depends on what your support looks like once your baby comes, whether or not you need a postpartum doula. Yeah. Well, I think for anybody that can possibly avail themselves of that, I mean, for me, I got so involved in pregnancy. I think I read 57 books about pregnancy and figured, well, Mm. I'll read books about baby stuff, you know, after the baby is born, babies sleep, right? Well, I had one who didn't sleep. And so uh, it would have been wonderful to have had that. So Latham, talk a little bit about medical attitudes towards birth these days in in some ways it all looks so enlightened but i know you i believe were involved with a film a few years back about how it's still not quite where it needs to be we've medicalized uh, normal birth quite a bit so h- how's that playing out yeah so with the medical system i think there's always this sort of uh, you know dance right where there are a lot of um, issues that extend outside of the medical system, I think, that are, you know, largely legislative um, and they vary from state to state, really. But um, 
in the hospital, what we see is um, there's just a culture that is, I would say, um, not aligned with the, the natural rhythms of the body, right? So if you think about how um, the hospital is a controlled setting, and so it's a setting where if there's a, any sort of um, surgical procedure, they, can, they know how long it takes to do a C-section. They know how long it takes to, you know, um, you know, sew back up. They know how long it takes to do anything, right? Like that they can predict. Birth, that's, you know, just a natural vaginal birth, you can't predict. Every single woman is different. Every baby has, you know, a different way of sort of navigating your pelvis and, and finding their way out. Um, every birth has a different outcome. You just can't control because the body's wild, right? And so I think that what happens is that this, this sort of, um, you know, more um, systematic, like technocratic approach to controlling and trying to modulate the processes that happen in the body through um, pharmaceuticals as well as technology um, takes the mother and the baby out of sync, right? So they can no longer communicate because there's now um, synthetic hormones at play that interrupt their hormonal communication. And it makes it so that you have an experience and may sometimes for some people, depending on the amount of, um, of a pharmaceutical intervention that's, that's used, for some people it can be a traumatic um, sometimes there's devastating outcomes, and many times, you know, the outcomes are, are good or, or, you know, some of the interventions are necessary or helpful. Um, but there's a lot of stories that where certain situations could be avoided if there was a certain level of patience with the body, if there was an understanding that, you know, the birth is um, it's just something that takes time. And that women should be able, that it's not a medicalized event. It's not a um, it's not a um, catastrophic event, and it's not an illness, right? It's um it's magical and it's mystical, and um, so it's happening in a setting where people go because they're sick, right? So it's looked at in in that same way that um, you know your body basically. Uh, is you were sort of like expecting for you to fail in this setting. So we have everything set up. So in case you fail, right? So it's like that consciousness, I think, needs to change. And I don't think that doctors inherently carry that. I've worked with so many, and I see people who really believe in the female body. But I think that a system that's set up with those sorts of principles, um, that's every like something could easily go wrong and like, you know, everything's just like, you know, an accident waiting to happen, that kind of mentality is not conducive for a woman to feel safe and secure um, or to feel unobserved in an environment where there's bright lights and people walking in and out and it's intense and it smells really sterile. And, you know, so it's not like ideal, the conditions, but we've had magical births in hospitals all the time. So I think that there just needs to be, you know, some attention and intention put into how people are born into this world. Just like we put attention and intention into palliative care and uh, hospice and thinking about how people leave the planet, we should also think about, you know, how people are born and, um, and making sure that the world is a safe place for them to be born into. And I don't mean like, you know, I mean, look at the political landscape. It's like crazy and things that are happening outside. But I mean in that moment of being born, like your actual birthday, let that be like a holy moment and, and protect that space. And so that's what we're really here to do is be like these guardian angels and protect the space so that the baby comes and, and transitions into the world in a place that feels like as secure as possible, so that the mother feels as safe and empowered as possible. Oh, I love you. You are a guardian angel. So a lot of people believe that you have to have animal products when you're pregnant. I know a lot of the celebrities stopped being vegan during pregnancy. Some of them went back, some didn't. So um, what do you do with a mom who's committed to being vegan? How do you support her through her pregnancy? First of all, I was vegan. I'm still vegan, but was vegan the entire pregnancy. And I remember, you know, going to check with the midwife and they, you know, I didn't speak about it at first because I was nervous about that very same thing. 
And eventually I did tell them and they were like, we're great. As long as, you know, when we come and we check your blood and everything else, you're looking good. Like, you know, as long as your iron's right and all these other things, we're not as concerned. I think that the main thing is really understanding um, what works for your body, that things change. So the types of foods that you're going to enjoy or feel like um, an affinity for will change. You might have uh, sensitivity or maybe like um, some sort of aversion to certain foods that you loved. Like some people love green juice and then all of a sudden they're like, I can't even stand it. I remember being able to have wheatgrass all the time when I was pregnant. And when my son was like three, he used to love wheatgrass. I can't, I don't like it now, but I loved it then for some reason. And um, I know that, you know, you'll get a lot of flack from people in your life about, you know, well, how are you going to get your calcium? How are you going to get your protein? I think it's, um, you know, rather than sort of investing time and energy and coming up with answers and, you know, trying to, you know, um, answer these questions, I think more importantly, really feel like you are getting solid nutrition and not saying, wait, wait a minute, where am I getting these things? Figure out for yourself first where you're going to start, right? So we know that we need healthy fats. Um, you know, I loved avocado during my pregnancy. I think that's one of the things you have to have every single day. It's also helpful with fertility. Um, there's all kinds of oils. Um, we love evening primrose oil and borage oil. Those are great, and you can add them onto salads and into smoothies. Um, and those are going to be helpful as well. Um, I think, though, that for people who, you know, are, are coming to this, um, you know, and, and pe- I think the main things that people come to you with is, like, you have to have, like, dairy. They'll, they'll probably promote dairy mostly, so they'll say you have to eat yogurt or milk products, right? So, um, you know, and I know we talk about this all the time, that the only reason that there's any calcium at all in cow's milk is because they eat grass or they're meant to eat grass. And even nowadays, because of factory farming, they're not even eating grass. So you're not even, you're getting enriched milk. (laughs) So it's just like this milk, the lobbying of the milk industry um, is so crazy. And if you want to do more research and read, there's a great book called um, uh, Whitewash, uh, The Disturbing Truth About Cow's Milk and Your Health. And a third of the citations. And so if you really want to like you know, hit somebody with, like, why you're not going to have milk. And I've done this with people, and they've, you know, stopped eating dairy after they've read that book. That could be a great way to kind of, like, educate even your care providers. Um, I would say if you want something that tastes like yogurt, there's all kinds of alternatives. Um, and, and make sure that you're just eating your leafy green veggies. And if you don't like them right away because of all the changes happening, you can, you know, soften them by adding them to smoothies and, you know, or you can um, – you know, eat other types of vegetables, but don't, don't feel um, intimidation and don't think that like, that you be like our bodies are designed to um, only like at this time in our lives, like that we would need to eat animal products, you know? So um, I think the main thing and the main concern I have for women is that they get insecure and they start to fold in their values um, because they have pressure so I think when you feel, if you get really solid and like what things work for you, make sure that you have healthy snacks always on hand so that you can eat pretty frequently, especially as you move to the second and third trimester, um, that you'll feel good. And another thing is remembering that, you know, you only need an extra 300 calories a day starting into the middle of your second trimester. So you can eat the way you've always eaten. You don't have to eat for two or overeat. There's like no reason to do that. And you can get adequate nutrition from plant foods. And actually, you can actually uh, assimilate the nutrients more easily. Make sure that you're always using a fat because most of the veggies that we're eating, especially if they're leafy greens, are, um, you know, we get most of the nutrition um, that's fat-soluble. So pairing it with some olive oil or coconut oil or something will be really helpful in us being able to activate those nutrients in our bodies and get all that folate to our babies. Amen to folate. Now, blow time. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> get the don't get the folate through the pills. Get it through your yeah. grain. Yeah, folate, not folic acid, if you possibly can. Um, mm-hmm. Glow time. What is it? You invented it. You should know. Glow time. So it's just about self care. You know, like putting yourself first, learning to mother yourself. I think it's something that, you know, especially people, I mean, like, look at you, like someone who's been in the movement, who's not only just, you know, um, a mom and, you know, and 
you're an activist and you're an author and you're out there and it's like we do so much and then we give so much, but then it's like at the end of the day what's left for ourselves. So it's really about making time for this practice for yourself and, and um, you know, what, not just like when you're broken down. Like don't say, oh, I'm going to get a massage because, like, I can't walk. No, do a massage like weekly or, or maybe it's twice a month that you set aside the time. Make it a personal date with yourself. And it doesn't even have to be a big thing. It could be just reading a book for an hour in the sunshine or, you know, going on a double date with a very good friend or it could be getting a foot rub or even getting your nails done. But do whatever it is for you. Um, that's what I, I really want women to relish in that and learn to do that before their babies come so it's a regular practice. And those of us that our babies are older, it's a good time to pick that practice back up and make sure it's that we're teaching them about self-care when they model their behavior after us. Mm. Every once in a while, I write something in red lipstick on my bathroom mirror, and I have a sense yes. glow, glow time. <laughs> it's gonna yes, be the next remember day. glow time. <laughs> yeah, some uh, other cool thing is happening for you. Lots of great things. You know, I'm seeing this Latham now with so many women who are doing this work. For a long time, it seems like so many of us just worked and worked, and it was like spinning our wheels and and our our lights didn't shine all that brightly. It didn't seem, but all of a sudden, just in the past couple of years, so many of the women that I know, it's just like our our dreams are coming true. We're doing this work to a degree that that we had dreamed, but maybe hadn't uh, dared to really believe. And now it's happening. It's certainly happening for you. And uh, one of the next things coming up in your world is launching your organic skincare line. Tell us about that. Yes. So I'm so grateful to our partners in this uh, Good Medicine Beauty Lab. They're an amazing um, company. It's a homespun company out west. And uh, we've come together and gathered um, medicinal plants um, that are um, that are growing naturally in um, out west and in the desert. So there's a lot of desert medicine in um, inside of these uh, products, and they're made with a lot of love. We spent a lot of time getting also the blends and the scents and everything right. Um, so we're doing like five um, unique products together, from a sand scrub to a coconut milk bath to um, a body cream and a and a belly butter and um, and an oil. And this is really for us to, you know, um, ignite in women uh, this self-care practice, you know. So um, when you get the products, there'll be like um, an explanation of how to use them and to create your own rituals and stuff. And I just want women to make glow time, you know, not an occasional part of their life, but really a regular, like a punctuated part of every single day, like a day that you just step out for yourself and then you step back into your life. Mm, love it. Now, will these be called Glow Time or what's the name it'll of the just be Yeah, it'll just be Mama Glow and Good Medicine Beauty Lab. Um, it'll be available um, online as well as is in some boutiques across the country. But, yeah, just in time for the holidays, we'll be ready. Cool. So we're just finishing our labels and stuff. <laughs> oh, that should be so much fun. And speaking of names, you can find Latham on her website, mamaglow.com, also on Facebook at Mama Glow. And uh, she's Glow Maven on Twitter and on Instagram, and we'll put all of that on the Main Street Vegan show notes. Just before um, we came on the air, Latham, we were talking a bit, and you said that one of the problems with birthing is women not having faith in their bodies, and I have a sense that that's a problem when we're not birthing, when we're just living. So talk Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's two parts to it. I really think one is that we're constantly, we're these creatures that are meant to constantly uh, be in this living, breathing, um, evolving, um, basically matrix of ourselves. And we're, we're supposed to be creating at all times. And so um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a baby. Sometimes it is a baby. Sometimes it's a creative project. But we're meant to do these things. And, and when, we, when we're not able to, I know that um, it, back, it backs things up. And so when we look at traditional um, Chinese medicine, it talks about chi and it talks about movement and flow in the body. And so when we have 
parts of our body that are kind of pent up or things that we haven't acted upon, dreams or visions or goals, um, that sort of stores itself and, and gets kind of, um, it's pent up, it's not released, it's not birthed, right? That's one aspect I know that our dreams can, you know, uh, when, when we don't sort of seek, see them out, see them through, that they sort of um, like hang out and live in our tissues and, and they never really go away until we sort of act upon them. Uh, the other piece I would say, um, so that's more of a, like a sort of, you know, psycho-emotional um, way of looking at it, but then I think there's a, you know, a practical sort of, you know, day-to-day of, you know, women pushing themselves too hard um, and meeting unrealistic expectations um, and putting their bodies through so much that when it's time, when they decide they want to have a family, it's like they've, they're they almost used to abusing their bodies by not eating well, not staying hydrated, not sleeping right, not um, exercising, you know, um, eating things. I mean, I already said not eating well, but like really eating things that are counter, um, you know, productive to um, our well-being. And so um, I think that all of that contributes to, you know, us sort of, you know, not being able to find our way when it's time. It's like when we, when we sort of operate in this continuum, right, that um, our bodies are basically like essentially tied into nature, right? And when we operate in a way that's in sync with nature and natural rhythms and we kind of try to dial ourselves into that, slow down when we're having our cycle, you know, give yourself space, like listen to the, the rhythms. When we do that, um, mm-hmm. we find that there's, there's a softening that happens and it makes the body more receptive. Oh, I think also so when beautiful. we reduce stress. Yeah. We got to stop, Latham. I'm so sorry because I could listen to your soothing healing rhythms all day long. Your clients <laughs> are so fortunate. Thank you so much. Find Latham at mamaglow.com. Find Darlene at Bod Blast. And uh, check out all the other wonderful programming on Unity Online Radio. Thanks to Vegan Outreach. Thanks to Jeff Comfort, our engineer. And to each and every one of you listening, God bless you richly and eat all those veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Everyone has purpose in life, but too often that purpose goes undiscovered. There is a simple way you can discover your special purpose in life. Draw up a list of all the qualities you value in yourself and that others admire in you. Don't be shy. There are probably many of them. Then, look at the ways in which you interact most effectively with other people. Are you a good leader? A good teacher? A good organizer? A good listener? Finally, describe in as much detail as you can what your world would be like under the best of all possible circumstances. Your purpose in life is to use your best qualities in the service of the kind of world in which you would like to live. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. 
To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.